So, good morning, guys. How's everyone doing? Good. I thought that was a hand raised over there. I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, so, this morning, we're going to be talking about the spiritual discipline of celebration. But really, this is all about uh, the party this morning. So, we're going to be talking about why the party is a spiritual discipline. And I'm very excited because I'm uniquely um, gifted at the party. So, uh, before we get started, let me just pray for us, um, and then we'll get, we'll get rolling. God, I am so grateful to be in this space this morning. Uh, what a summer that we've been having. The weather's been incredible outside and uh, just a, a gift to us. And this morning, as we dive into this idea of celebration, how that's recognizing your gift, which is life to us, uh, would you just cue us in, open our hearts, open our minds. Um, Lord, I, I pray that we would leave here growing stronger as a community and also uh, with something that we've, we've learned and want to explore more about you. So I just uh, acknowledge that you are in this space and that we uh, have this morning and that we should take this morning um, with all seriousness and with all joy. Amen. So uh, here is our uh, mission statement for this morning's gathering. Joy is God's ultimate plan for the universe. So joy is God's ultimate plan from the universe. And that's true when we look at the Bible uh, we, we start in Genesis and we end in Revelation. So that's the broad spectrum. There's creation, and then what happens in Revelation is there's new creation. And so God uh, has a plan for what's to come. And this, this verse comes out of Revelation. It has a lot to do with joy and celebration, so we're going to read it this morning. Um, this is Revelation 21, 4 through 5. It says, He will wipe away every fear from their eyes, or every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the former things have passed away. And the one seated on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. It's Revelation 21, 4 through 5. So God's ultimate plan for us in this new creation is the opposite of hurt and pain. It's for us to have joy, and so often in the scriptures, this joy is illustrated in celebration. It's illustrated in the party. So, I'm going to make a bold statement, but I believe that God loves to party. Next Sunday, we are going to throw our, and I'm going to call this uh, annual because it's going to happen every year, uh, barbecue bash. Now, Sean Blackwood, who's not here this morning, uh, is a mean, mean man on the barbecue, and he's going to be barbecuing for us, and his wife, Sandy, is going to be baking for us. Uh, and I'd love it if you guys wanted to join her in that, so bring a side or a dessert. The most important thing that we're going to do here, because I believe it's formative, is we're going to have a service, so it's going to look a lot like this, but just like we've been doing and having the conversations in the other room over a meal, we're going to kind of extend that time, and it's going to be an evening service. So this is the most important part. If you get nothing else, <laughs> we are going to be at 5.30 p.m. next week. So that's 5.30 right here next week, and we'll send out emails and texts and tweets, and we will annoy you to death so that you realize that it is 5.30 <laughs> next week. Here's another very, very important piece to this. As we uh, come into the fall, we're going to be doing a fall kickoff event, but this event is sort of to set that event up. And so what I'm asking you to do, what Resonate is asking you to do, is to invite your friends. And we've made these pushes before, but I really, really want to push you guys to invite people to come and share in this, because um, what we're going to learn this morning is that when we celebrate with each other, and we remember Jesus and also recognize what he's doing, what he's going to do, that actually means something. So here in a town like Santa Monica, where people do not have trouble celebrating, 
we want to actually put meaning behind that celebration, and that's what next week is going to be all about. So we're going to have a, a big old band. Andrew, some of you know, is going to be leading that next week. That's going to be a really fun time, so I'd really, really um, encourage you guys to invite people to be a part of it. Um, but yeah, anyway, back to the party. So like I said, this is a town where people are able to engage in celebration, right? It's sort of like the easiest thing for us all to engage in as a spiritual discipline, but we don't always view it as spiritual. In fact, celebration and the party is usually viewed as separate from all the rest of the stuff that we've gone through, which is like we've gone through prayer, we've gone through fasting, we've gone through living simply, we've gone through worship. And in light of all those other ones, celebration can kind of seem a little bit trivial. But here's the thing, it isn't. And it's dangerous to view it as a trivial thing. This is sort of the missing piece. All right. This is what Dallas Willard writes in his book called The Spirit of Disciplines. And that's a book I've actually been pulling from a lot for these messages. Um, so if you want to read that this summer, it's, a, it's encouraged because it, it's really, really good when it comes to the spiritual disciplines. But here's what he says. He says, speaking on celebration, here is one of the most important disciplines of engagement, yet the most overlooked and misunderstood. It is the completion of worship. It's the completion of worship. And we talked about worship last week. For it dwells on the greatness of God as shown in his goodness to us. We engage in celebration when we enjoy ourselves, our life, our world in conjunction with our faith and confidence in God's greatness, beauty, and goodness. This is the big one. We concentrate on our life and world as God's gift to us. We concentrate on our life and world as God's gift to us. So when we celebrate, there is this acknowledgement that God's great gift to us is life. And that we just have this time here. And when we celebrate, we're really making the most of it. Again, joy is God's ultimate plan for the universe. So we, we need times where we can simply break bread, hang out, reflect on God's goodness, and where we get to, for one moment, experience the peace and just feel happy. These are formative moments, and they are truly rare and even harder to fake. So true celebration is actually being comfortable in our own skin because we know what God has done for us. It is living this life content in his blessing. And i got to confess to you guys, I actually failed miserably at this this week. So uh, each week and each message, I've been trying to engage in a spiritual practice. My spiritual practice this week was called I Happy, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. Um, but I thought in, in engaging with this text, engaging with this spiritual discipline, this would be a breeze. So coming into the week, I usually kind of block off all the different time I'm going to need, and I've started the summer cohort at the same time, which is a church planting um, like intensive, and so it takes up a lot of time. It's Monday, Tuesday, and Sunday night that I'm driving to Pasadena. Um, so I'm, I'm dealing with sort of a new schedule, and on top of that, I'm, I'm thinking this message is going to be a breeze, and when I sit down to write it, I realize I've got nothing. Like, here I am thinking, like, this party thing, got it, not at all. I, I had three different versions of this message, and I'm, like, bashing my head up against the wall going, God, what is it that, that we need to experience in this spiritual discipline of celebration? Uh, on top of that, I have a unique uh, uh, part of my life that happens in the summer, and I, I call it Summer Chelsea. So Chelsea is my wife, and she's a kindergarten teacher, and she works really, really hard all year long. But the benefit of being a teacher is that you get two months of just, like, straight-up celebration or a break. Yeah, woo! Um, so summer Chelsea, there's a lot of yoga. There's a lot of cooking shows. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of celebration going on. And we live in a one-bedroom apartment, so you can see where the hard work would be at odds with summer Chelsea and how that would be tough. 
Um, so during this like grind of trying to get this message on celebration written, Chels comes up to me like three times. He's like, hey, do you want to go out to lunch? And I'm like, no, I can't. I'm working. Sorry. Do you want to go out to coffee? No, I can't. I got to write this message. Do you want to go on a walk? No, I can't. And if I don't get this message done, I need to find a hole to hide in when Sunday comes around because this is going to be really bad. And by the third or fourth time she came up to me, I realized that I had failed in like the most classic sense. So when I approach a message or, or anything like this, I do it prayerfully. And I've been praying for God to sort of reveal something about celebration that would help our community. So like, God, what, what is it that we should be saying this morning? And I realized that God had been presenting himself in the form of celebration with Chels, literally knocking on my door, going like, hey, come out of that hard work and come into celebration. And I failed because I realized that I thought that the work was more formative than the celebration when I was writing a message on celebration, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I thought that if I put my head down and I grind this out and I work really hard, the byproduct of that will be a great message on celebration. And I was dead wrong. And Americans, and us as an American, like, we work insanely hard, and, and this celebration idea kind of becomes this like, guilty pleasure. It's something that if we work really, really, really hard, look at, the, look at the work week. We have five days of work and two days of celebration. Some of us have six days of work, one day of celebration, right? So uh, new businesses are beginning to understand this. Uh, my sister worked for uh, Lyft for a long time. So she was in San Francisco. And San Francisco is a lot like there's a lot of these businesses. But when you walk in, uh, first of all, the Lyft place is crazy. If any of you have ever seen Lyft, they used to have those big, like, furry mustaches on the front of the car, and now they've upgraded to just, like, a tiny, classy mustache that sort of glows in the windshield. Um, but when you walk in, there's, like, just these walls of, like, furry, like, uh, purple goodness, and then you walk through the purple hallway, and there's mustaches everywhere, and then you get to the office, and the office has got pool tables and arcades and, like, the greatest snack bar I've ever experienced in my whole life but what like, scientists and experts are beginning to see is that when we leave room in our workspaces for celebration, we actually get more done. And all of this kind of comes back to living more like a child. So I want to show you a picture of one of my best friends. Um, we have that picture? Can you guys see that? That uh, is my nephew, Judah. And he's not technically my nephew, but he calls me Uncle Josh, so we'll go with that. Um, but Judah is uh, my cousin Ethan's son, and Ethan's like a big brother to me. So I'll call him, and we'll catch up. He's a pastor, too, and, and, and so we'll talk, and, and he's just been a really formative person in my life. He now has four kids, uh, and that all happened in the span of, like, seven years, so that was quick. Um, so I haven't gotten to meet Judah yet, so I got to meet him, like, three weeks ago. But even on the phone, talking to Ethan about Judah, he would just light up because he would tell me about this, this kid's capacity for joy. This, like, he, so what Judah would do, he's kind of famous in our family as a catchphrase. So if Judah's just sort of sitting at the table idly by, he will exclaim for all to hear with a big smile on his face, I'm happy. Just out of nowhere, like, I'm happy. And you're like, you happy, Judah? He's like, yeah, I'm happy. Like, he just sort of like, like exclaims it. And when I'm playing with I was playing with him on the floor with some trucks and everything, and then all of a sudden he's just kind of sitting there. And he's like, you can't really tell. I mean, he's a pudgy little kid, so he's like adorable as all get up. So we're sitting, and we're like, we're playing with this stuff, and then I just see like this little smile creep on his face, and he's like, and I'm like, what's about to, and he goes, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm like, dude, are you happy? We're sitting in traffic in a minivan, 
And like, what was monotonous to an adult, right? Like, just so boring. All of a sudden, from the back of the minivan, a still small voice comes through, and it says, "I'm happy." <laughs> and you're like, "Man, this kid calls it out. He calls it like he sees it." And I thought that was such an important principle for our celebration. So this week, what I tried to do was, in every moment that I noticed that I was happy, I would say to myself, "I'm happy." As ridiculous as it is, it brought me more into that childlike joy. Uh, there's a guy named G.K. Chesterton, and I think he really nails what it's like to be a child and this kind of celebration and this kind of joy. And I want to read this passage. It's a little long, but um, bear with me. It says, Because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, Do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says, do it again to the sun, and in the evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that all daisies are alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never gotten tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite for infancy. For we have sinned and grown old, but our father is younger than we. Let me read that last line again, because that's, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. You see, the celebration idea has been hijacked by the idea that it is a product of the hard work we put in, when in fact, celebration is the natural occurrence of a life lived in gratitude to God. And we need way, way more of this. I don't know about you guys, every time, and especially during the summer, but this year, just every time I go on social media or I turn on the news, it's just like another hugely devastating thing has happened to try and rob us of our joy. So there's this, um, there's this force, this, this character, if you will, in the Bible. And this isn't something that we talk a lot about at Resonate because we're not like the fire and brimstone, like, y'all are going to hell unless you turn and burn, whatever it is. But um, there is this force in the Bible called Satan. And in the Hebrew, Satan is adversary. So it doesn't mean like devil with a horn and the pitchfork and all that kind of classic sense. It means adversary. So Satan is the adverse of God's goodness in the world. So if God is good and joyous and all things awesome, then there is another force that is the adverse of what's going on there. And I've just noticed that like it, like all of the tragedies that have happened in the last couple of weeks have been trying to take away the sacred spaces in which we find joy and celebration. Think about it. A movie theater, a school, a nightclub, our workspace, our neighborhood, at a fireworks display, at a church. And when someone tries to take away these sacred spaces, tries to take away our joy, then that is the adverse of what God is doing in the world. And so I would argue that celebration, that joy, that love, that laughter should be our weapon against that. And I always go to the church on this stuff because it's kind of what I'm obsessed with. It's kind of what I'm most passionate about. But I, I think about what does the church need to be in adverse to the bad that's going on in the world? And the obvious answer to me is that the church needs to be a place where we can come and we can experience good news. Not because we're going to ignore the bad news, 
But exactly because the bad news is in the world, we need a place that we can enter in and experience goodness. Real goodness. Real celebration. Real joy. So as I was reading, and we, we read that passage in the beginning at, um, in Revelation, there's this verse that stuck out to me, and I didn't know why until the tail end of this week. Um, but this is in Revelation, and again, this is, the author of Revelation is painting a poetic and prophetic picture for us. So these are things that haven't happened yet, but this is, this is our picture of what God is going to do to make all things right in the world. It's literally a collision of heaven and earth. And earth and heaven begin to look exactly the same. It's like when Jesus teaches us to pray, thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So it's a, it's a mashing of both. And it's his perfect picture for what he wants that to look like. And I found this incredibly interesting. It says, I didn't see a temple in the city because its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. That's Revelation 21, 22. So let me read that again. I didn't see a temple in the city because its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. So in God's final picture, and the city is this sort of like metaphor for this new world, it's a new Jerusalem, this new world that he's planning to make all things right in. In this new city, there is not a church building. He said he didn't see a temple because the Lord God was the temple. Guys, as we look at what's going on in the world, we need to realize that we are that temple, that God is with us, we are in him. And I love the fact that, I love the metaphor that we don't have a church building. <laughs> we are a church that is for this city. And we need to start leaning into celebration and to joy to help this place out because I'm telling you, this is a community desert. In walking through this 1001 community thing that I'm doing, this summer cohort, they sit you down and they ask you a bunch of questions about the neighborhood that you live in. And as I have identified what really, really needs to be done here, it's community. But it's not just the frivolous sort of celebration that we think about on Friday and Saturday nights. It's, it's celebration that really, really means something. It's like that quote that I said before from Dallas Willard. It's recognizing that this life that we have is God's gift to us, and what we do with that is extremely important. And I would argue we need more parties in it. <laughs> Amen? Um, so let me pray. We're going to do a little spiritual exercise this morning. Uh, as we leave here, we have breakfast sandwiches, which is going to be awesome. Um, and then also we have one more song. We're going to take our offering during that. But um, let me pray. We're going, to do, we're going to do a little spiritual exercise together. So let's bow our heads. Uh, so I want us to think, just with our eyes closed for a minute, about... We ask the question, the hardest time you've ever laughed. And that may have taken you back to this moment of just sheer emotional joy. Now, I want you for a moment, because I know that these things exist, I want, to, I want you to picture something that robs you of that joy. This could be uh, the stuff that you're seeing in the news, or this could be something in your personal life. This could be something that happened a long time ago. But just, I want you to just for a moment just sit in the stuff that just robs you of that joy. And now I, wanna, I want you to picture again the hardest time that you ever laughed. I want you to picture that childlike moment. Because in all honesty, that laughter thing, that joy thing, that could happen again and again and again, as the author said, that the child said, do it again. 
We cannot get enough of that joy, but we certainly can get enough of that pain. So I want you to picture something in your life that gives you joy, and we're going to pray together. God, we recognize that as we pray to you, as we, as we talk to you, Lord, that as we picture the, the thing that gives us joy, you are every bit of that. You are in that in every single way, God, because all true and good things come from you, and that's such a beautiful picture. Lord, teach us to be the church that you talked about in Revelation where there was no temple, but you were the temple. What we do in here is like 3% of what we can accomplish by sharing good news outside of these walls. And I pray that you would make resonate a community that is known for its joy, its celebration, its love, and its acceptance of all people. God, please. And in this space right now, I, I ask for more joy more celebration, more love. The next week as we get to celebrate together, God, would you, would you please be in that? Amen.